Hey everybody and welcome to Blades for Days where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and sword making and swords in fiction. My name is Jordan, I'm your host and joining me today is my good friend Emmett Byrne from Ravenheart Forge in Ireland. Hey buddy. Hey. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Awesome stuff. So what have you been up to? Um, mostly teaching lately, which yeah. That's going to be coming into an end once I get the college stuff started. So, yeah. Oh yeah, college yeah. boy. Because oh, um, <laughs> you got into um, you got into. Am I okay to talk about this, by the way? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you got into Trinity in Ireland. For yeah. anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's <laughs> uh, it's kind of a big mm. deal. And um, you were telling me that your like your teacher is the person who was like, "No, nah, man, apply to Trinity." Yeah. It was uh, one of one of my lectures from Matter Day was just like, nah, fucking apply to training. You you'll get it. Don't worry about that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was That's a real confidence good. boost. Yeah, man. It uh, well, it was when we were talking last time. I was saying that it's really nice when you have a teacher like that. You know, yeah. um, they see that you're sort of aiming low, and they're like, nah, come on, man. You know, sort yourself yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I love that. Um, I've got a couple of students, English students, from um, when I was uh, teaching out in Kazakhstan. Mm. And they're, uh, to this day, they still get in touch with me to sort of say, oh, hey, thanks for the help, because, you know, I'd yeah. um, act as a reference for them. Um, mm. So some of them went out to America uh, yeah. And now I'm just kind of apologizing about that. Like, I'm so sorry I sent you out there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, some of them went to uh, Dubai. So, mm. you know, um, yeah, it's, and it's really nice when you see something in your students that they don't see mm. in themselves. And when you have a yeah. teacher that sees something in you, that's great. That's, yeah. that's really cool. That's it's uh, one of the fun things I found of being a teacher as well, that... Specifically, it was to do with the creative writing club that I set up in a school because I had one student. She was like, "Oh, you know, I'm really not that good." And I'm like, reading through what she has written. I'm like, "This is better than the book I'm reading right fucking now, and that's a bestseller for fuck's sake." <laughs> like, she was reading writing this amazing stuff, and she had written something like, I think at that point it was about maybe sixty or seventy A4 pages of this tiny, tiny fucking handwriting about a post-apocalyptic world. And I was just like, this is fucking amazing. And she just, she was like, ah, no, it's not that great. I'm like, don't you fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ace. It's like, um, yeah. I've got a friend who, she's quite a good writer, starts writing, and about a third of the way through, always stops and goes, I'm bored, I'm gonna start something else now. And you're like, but this is really good. And she's like, nah, it's not great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a yeah. new thing. And it's like, but I want to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a major problem in uh, the writer society that I was in in college because there was one of the guys, Ian, who wrote this amazing stuff. Like I remember one piece he had. He quite literally had the ten of us in floods of tears, with just the opening like chapter of this book and we're like dude and he went yeah i'm probably never going to go back to that and we're like you mother <laughs> <laughs> like he did it constantly yeah yeah oh, that's rough do have you found that um 
So I was talking to uh, a mate of mine um, and we were talking about movie fights and mm. how I have to switch that part of my brain off yeah. when I'm watching that. I was talking to Alex Timmerman, who I've mentioned to you, oh, the guy yeah. from Rapid Swords. Um, mm. He's an ace guy. And um, yeah, we were talking about movie fights and, you know, the um, the whole thing where the samurai run past each other and about oh, yeah. you know an hour and a half later, one of them falls down dead. Yeah. Have you found that with um doing hema like when you read certain things you're like nah. oh yeah big time yeah. fucking big time. actually that was funny because one of the books that i read after i started hema was yours and it was fucking really obvious that you knew what you were doing because i was just like yeah that'd work because <laughs> <laughs> and then i read another like a book i read when i was still in school i was reading i was just like how are these two idiots not dead yet? And they're like legendary warriors. I'm like, this is so fucking dumb. Like he, one of the guys, he's like, ah, well, I'll make it a fair fight. So he drops his shield and the other guy goes, no, <laughs> just, and he's, he wins. And it's, it, it's this great moment of, nah, legendary work doesn't matter. That fucker's got a shield. That's a hot yeah. blonde. You ain't, you ain't getting past that shit. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, um, oh. I was watching, uh, uh, watching, reading. Um, I've just started reading uh, half, is it half a king or half a world or something by Joe Abercrombie? And I avoided it for a little while because I love Joe Abercrombie's work. Mm. It's really violent and like not yeah. in, a, in a gratuitous way, but it's like, it's funny, you know, darkly yeah. funny. Um, mm. And this is apparently like a young adult um, mm. thing. I, and you can kind of tell a little bit because, um, you know, he hasn't sworn once. Um, yeah. you know, and uh, I'm like, um, I'm reading through it and I'm like, this is fantastic. Like, I avoided it for so long because I didn't want a sort of like a bloodless, um, you know, uh, mm. book. But there's a scene in it where, um, and, and I absolutely love this, the, the, the main character, he's missing a left hand, like, or it's, mm. it's formed. And so he's just constantly getting the shit kicked out of him in the sparring yeah. circle. And so um, he becomes like, and this is not really a spoiler because it's the, it's mm. at the start of the book. But then he yeah. becomes king, and uh, he gets the shit kicked out of him. And people are like, oh yeah, this guy's king, is he? And he goes, okay, should we have a rematch? And uh, the guy's like, yeah, sure. And he goes, okay, king's champion, get in there. <laughs> so it's just this big like scarred war, like, you know, this guy who's been to war um, and he just beats the shit out of this 16 year old kid. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's accurate, yeah. 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 Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm the king. I don't, I don't have to fight you. Um, so I love that. Um, There's actually one, um, one author that I, I've been reading like pretty consistently, Simon Scarrow. And the, the series I've been reading is, pretty much based around the kind of early Roman Empire. And it starts with their invasion of Britannia and everything. But one of the things I'm really loving about it is the fighting in it is you can feel every hit because they don't they don't fuck about at all. Like there's actually a scene in it where there's this um oh he's a new one of the new legionaries is a replacement essentially for one of their good guys that just got he got stabbed in the back and it was just oh I was so mad but I was also so impressed because the guy that stabbed him intentionally went for the one place he wasn't armored Brilliant. because 
earlier in another assassination attempt, somebody went to like stab a legionary right in the gut and the dude just takes the hit in the chainmail, looks at the guy and he just grabs the kid's head and just headbutts him with the helmet and just, he's done. Yeah. But, but the, in the scene, there's this legionary and he's just hacking at this Celt and the Celt is doing what a Celt's going to do. He's just parrying these hits. He's like, what the f- what are, like, what are you doing? Because he has him cornered and he's swinging. And the centurion doesn't even go over to help. He just goes, thrust, you dumb fuck. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. He just thrusts and he just gets him. And he's just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tight quarters, don't swing, thrust. Yeah. Because uh, okay. I find that there are, um, there are a couple of guys, uh, Jack and Sam Gassman, and their point mm. work is just so good. It's like, oh, fucking. you know, it, it's like a snake. Like, you know, yeah. the, oh, snake, the way it moves. I spar Sam on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. When he really gets serious, you fucking oh, you know it. Yeah, um, they like they're, yeah, their their point work is just amazing. You, mm. you can't see their thrusts coming from anywhere. Um, yeah. and I was uh, I was talking to Keith Farrell recently about uh, Pedro San Miguel, and he's the same way. His thrust is lightning. It's yeah. so fast. Um, and that's the thing, like, if you're coming from the shoulder or if you're coming from the, you know, if you're striking from a low guard or a high guard and it's, um, you know, an overhaul or yeah. whatever, you know, it you can see it coming and it might, you know, they might faint or they might try to power through or do mm. something, you know, once they've banged on with you. But the thrust is just, it's so hard to sort of deal with sometimes yeah. because it's just coming, you know, right down the middle and then. Yeah, um, I found with uh, th- with those guys, I'm just like, okay, well, I'll just do this. And it just seems to melt through my guard and just come straight yeah. at me anyway. And I'm like, son of a bitch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like one of, probably one of my favorite matchups in our club to watch is Sam versus Will. Um, solely for the fact that Will is insanely fast. Because... Mm. It's it's hilarious watching the two of them because they start out and it's just because they fought they they spar on such a regular well before the whole thing kicked off but yeah. they used to spar on an, uh, almost a weekly basis and then in the lead up to Fela they had one sparring match in particular which just I wish I had it on video because the two of them just it, the two of them were just testing each other and then it was almost like a movie moment of both of them stepped in at the same time. But Sam managed to parry Will's thrust and it like went like just past his mask as Sam managed to bind it and then get Will right in the face. Nice. And Will backed off and he just, he was like, damn it, I can't believe I missed. And he just, and myself and Adam were just like, what the fuck was... Because the two of them looked like they were both going for just an overhaul from the right shoulder. And then all of a sudden just two thrusts just snapped out. It was almost like a snake coming out. And I'm like, holy fuck. And it's just, it was hilarious because they were going, doing these little whippy cuts for the better part of like two, three minutes and not really committing. And then the one time they commit, it just hits like a truck. Lovely. Oh. I, there's um, an old friend of mine from reenactment uh, called John Finch. And because what we would do is we would fight all the time. Right. I would like, I would, um, because when I joined in reenactment, he was the guy to be mm. right. Um, and so I would like, wherever he went in the shield wall, I would just track him. 
right? I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. coming for you. And then in the circles, what would happen is we'd, we'd meet in the circle and it would take him like a second and he'd mess me up, right? And this yeah. isn't like when I was about 18, 19, when I first mm. started doing reenactment. So then in the next, you know, in the next circle where we all just mm. fight each other, basically, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd fight him again. And this time I'd last maybe two seconds, right? But then yeah. he'd, he'd mess me up. <laughs> but then like, it would just kind of like, it would, I was like constantly learning his tricks until eventually he learned all of mine, I learned all of his. And we decided, because people were getting bored of watching us fight, because it was always just like, we'd sort of shuffle forward, he'd shuffle yeah. back. He'd shuffle forward, I'd shuffle back. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna do this, yeah. and I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And so we were thinking of, you know that, uh, you know those scenes, uh, that, that scene from uh, Sherlock Holmes with um, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, where they're yeah. both having that mind battle. Yeah. Yeah. What we said is, if we meet in the final of a competition some point, what we're going to do is we'll go off and we'll have a fight where nobody can see and we'll decide yeah. the outcome there. Right? Yeah. But just to like screw everybody up, we'll just come <laughs> into the competition. We'll go into the competition. We'll salute. We'll stand there for about five minutes without moving and then just salute again and go, good match. Yeah. Well done. That, well, I didn't see that thrust coming. No, it's great. So yeah. yeah. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. How did, um, how did you get into HEMA anyway? Um, it was kind of funny because I, it, weirdly, it was because I used to do archery and that kind of, that led off from, from kind of my love of like fantasy, but also a bit of history. And then after I finished up college, I decided, okay, I want to get in, I want to get in better shape, but I want to do something that I will enjoy because I just, I don't enjoy football, rugby, like just any of that. It just really just doesn't sync up with me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to see if I can do sword fighting because I would love to know how to actually use one of these things. Because I remember I'd been watching a bunch of different YouTubers and I was kind of like, I'd love to be able to actually have an opinion on this and not just be the guy sitting there going, yes, that looks cool. <laughs> and um, it, how I ended up in Dublin HEMA club is because I typed in, I was looking up sword fighting and HEMA came up and I went, oh, okay. Clubs, Dublin, what was it? HEMA clubs in Dublin. And it was the first thing that came up. And I later found out that Neil had actually, the guy that runs Dublin Hema, did that intentionally. So like you have Cork Blade Masters and Goat's Head and, you know, Grey Knight Fencing and all these different like really cool names. And then we have Dublin Hema Club because he wanted to be the first club that shows up on Google. <laughs> oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I got into it. And I remember the first session, it was weird because I kind of thought like I was, the exercise was just killing me because I was just not used to being that intense and, and like doing any level of actual cardio. Like I had decent upper body muscles from doing blacksmithing for like three years at that point. So you and, got into that first? Oh yeah, I got into blacksmithing first, which is All right, cool. even fucking funnier because <laughs> <laughs> that was completely by accident. Um, but yeah, Hema, Hema, I got into it and just learning how to do the basic cuts and I just immediately fell in love and I was like, okay, regard, no matter what I am doing this, I don't care if I like die from fucking exhaustion, but I'm, I'm getting into this cause I just loved it. That is love. And everybody was, and everybody was so friendly. Yeah. And there were just so many helpful tips and everything of, Oh, do this, do this, do this. And I kind of took the attitude of, I'm going to go in. I know nothing. And that's how I'm going to, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, I saw this in a movie, so I know whatever. Because 
I know we've had like a few people show up to training and we people with good intentions, but like we had one guy, he was a stunt guy and he came in and he was out to spar against me and I've been doing HEMA for about a year at that point or just under a year. And he came in and he's like, Oh yeah, I've, you know, I've done like fencing and TV shows and that kind of stuff. So I, I, I know what I'm doing. And I remember Neil being like, you're going to do basic cuts for like 30 minutes and then you will see. <laughs> um, but he, we were just doing, um, we do avoidance stuff. So essentially it's, I'm just going to move the sword about this fast and you have to get out of the way. But basically yeah. the idea is it's like a chess match. I'm going to keep moving you until you walk into that wall or until you back, you don't step off enough so that even though the sword's only coming this fast, I'm still going to get you. And generally it's really good for learning how to step. Like it's more about the footwork than doing anything else. But with the stunt guy, he kept trying to like matrix dodge stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And he did, he dodged one by doing like this, but he didn't move. So I was just way closer to him. And I went, I just thrust, and I did like the most basic thrust. And he just went, <laughs> and I didn't aim at like head or chest. I just aimed torso. And I was like, what are you going to do? Break yourself in half? Yeah. <laughs> he just, and he, he nearly fell over because he tried to dodge <laughs> it and it just didn't work. And I said to him, it's like, if you just use your feet, you will get away from me. Like it's that simple. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I got into Hema. <laughs> I um I've got uh, a couple of people who've come from a stunt background and you know they mm. want to do acting, gotten into it, and um, they've I've been really lucky because one of them, mm. uh, one of them Lloyd is he is an absolute dude, and like I came in, um, or you know he's been with me from day one when I set up. Oh, okay, and yeah. um, he's helped me out with classes. But he, you know, he's got a background in martial arts. Um, mm. He really, he's a really, really good fencer, you know. And um, mm. uh, he's he's never sort of had that kind of like nodded going, yeah, I know what I'm doing sort of thing. Mm. Um, like whenever, you know, whenever he wants to sort of offer like an alternative to what mm. I've been teaching, he'll take me to one side. He won't sort of like try to call me out in front of the class or anything yeah. like that. Um, and I think maybe, um, uh, I, you know, I've been lucky with that mm. because I have had other people come in who are like, oh yeah, you know, I know what I'm doing and stuff like that. You know, I, I, um, I've got this background or I've got that background. I told you about the guy with the batleth, yeah. you know, people just saying, um, yeah, I've, you know, I did, uh, you know, years of, of Ludo sport or whatever. And then. I've uh, I've started sort of like okay well we'll fight I'm not going to let you hit me but I'm occasionally going to hit you as you know when you get tired and stuff like that yeah. so like 30 seconds in they're panting they you know they can't lift the the point of yeah. their sword off the floor anymore and I'm yeah. just poking them with mine and it's not even like effort or anything I'm not like yeah. you know I'm not like <laughs> fully yeah. stabbing them or anything I'm just kind of like poking them and just going stab stab and i'm saying it out loud as well to sort of add to the humiliation yeah. stab you know it's just um so yeah yeah um because i i hate that like i hate that you know that that thing of people coming into into your class like the the big dog's biscuit and um, yeah 
to me it's like internet trolls like like I, I get it all the time on instagram i i almost didn't want to post things on instagram and facebook because i'm like oh this isn't good enough that's not good enough but then yeah. i'm like if i don't put it out there you know it's not going to get seen mm. the school's not going to get seen so yeah. i just throw like and it's literally any old shit i'll put it on on mm. instagram now I did one one-armed push-up today, and I'm like, that's my Instagram story today. <laughs> um, but I had some... That's fucking impressive. I had the... Sure, folks. Uh, maybe, maybe give it a look before you call it impressive. <laughs> just like, just shaking. I'm sweating. I'm pretty sure I burst yeah. a vein in my forehead. Oh, man. But, um... <laughs> but I, like, I had some guy today um, comment on a video where Melissa and I, we're not wearing any like protective gear hmm. or anything. And um, just some prick coming in going like, oh, that, like, it's one of Fiore's dagger defenses, right? And he's oh, like, yeah, I think, I think I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, that would never work in real life because, uh, and I'm like, yeah, we're not, you know, we're training it slowly so that we get the technique right. Like, I'd love to see the martial arts school you go to where you step into a dojo for the first time and the fucking sensei comes flying at you yes. and just smashes you in the face and goes, why aren't you learning? You know? Yeah. Like but. it's, 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 oh, freaking, that reminds me of when I used to teach. So I used to be part of this archery club called Ashwood Archers and it was before I went to college, but yeah. we all did this course in the club so that we could be kind of like instructors within the club. And I had this day where it was just myself and the head coach. And I had a guy come in and I was practicing speed shooting, right? Because I was, I used to shoot um, instinctively and I used to be, I used to be real good at, I couldn't hit um, for some reason. And I don't know why, right. And I've never done hunting ever. And I just doesn't really appeal to me to just kill an animal for the sake of it. Like it's just, yeah. But um, I can't hit Olympic targets to save my life. Right my very first competition where I went out with the, what was it? Scythian style horse bows, like this little compact black bow. And we were shooting animal targets. And I'm all my friends were like, you were going to miss every goddamn target. Cause I was so bad. Went in. I nailed every target. Sweet. I actually, I broke the record for the junior archer. And I was just like, I'm fucking good at this. But I was practicing speed shooting and the coach asked, Oh, do you mind? Uh, we have like these people in for like team training and you know just it was like a corporate thing and they were just doing an archery for the day and he was over there teaching I was doing my speed shooting and this guy just goes that would never work because I was going slow and just practicing drawing the arrow from the quiver getting on and he was like oh you know that's not speed shooting because somebody he obviously asked the coach and Matt just goes hey Matt, can you just show him what what actually happens when you you know put some effort in I was like, oh yeah, sure. And I fired 12 arrows in 24 seconds. Nice. And he just, and they were all in like a fucking pretty solid group on the bear target. I just looked at the guy and I was like, so how old are you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like 16. Yeah. Um, but like we also, we've, I think I very little, I very, to be honest, I very little patience for when people come in and like they have a, oh, I know what I'm doing attitude. Yeah. And I think it's from when I did archery and was teaching archery because HEMA, it's not, it's not as bad, but in archery, having somebody walk in and go, Oh, I know what I'm doing. And yeah. when they very clearly don't, it's, it's like, okay, I don't care about you being a danger to yourself, but yeah, 
you yeah. could seriously hurt somebody else. Like we had a guy dry fire a compound bow that wasn't even his. He just picked the thing up and let, like pull it back, let it go while we were all standing next to him. And I think between the four of us and the head coach, I don't think the guy has ever been yelled at so much in his life because we were just like, do you, do you have any idea what you could have just happened? And he's like, oh, it's fine. And then we showed him a video of what happens when a compound bow gets dry fired and the thing just explodes. It's like a frag grenade. Like it just obliterates whatever's around it. But yeah, I think with HEMA, there's a, it's slightly more forgiving because it's just like, oh, okay, you're either going to hurt yourself or hopefully you don't hurt anybody else, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm really strict on a couple of things, which is the back of the head. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just people leathering it. Because the thing is, the sword will do most of the work for you. So you hmm. don't need to... Uh, and, I, and I say this all the time, and people get sick of me saying it. And I'm like, no, the sword will do most of the work for you. That's what it's there for. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you try to chop a steak in half with the edge of your hand, you're, you're going to need, you know, a lot of, mm. you're going to be there for a while, yeah. you know, yeah. but with, with a sword, it's not, you know what I mean? With a yeah. knife or whatever, with an edged weapon, it's not the same. And yeah. Just take a look at that difference. So the amount of force that you need is, you know, with a sharp blade is barely anything. There's a yeah. video that I put up and it's like a cautionary, Kind of thing that I've, I've uh, put up for my students um, because I just don't want them to ever dick around with sharps or anything like that. Yeah. And um, you should Google it. Just Google, uh, I don't know, sword sausage mouth nose. I don't know. Or sword swords. Uh, anyway, this guy, obviously this guy gets drunk, right? And um, this fella sticks a sausage in his mouth and oh. then leans back. And the guy takes a sharp sword. Yeah, like, yeah. Just look that up real quick. Yeah, I know. What, yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. and he, he goes to cut the sausage with no effort. He, he just chops the end of this guy's nose off. And it's like, yeah, because they're, they're fucking weapons of war. Swords more than anything. They have one job. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the, it was, we had, um, so Dublin HEMA, we actually did a uh, HEMA barbecue there last year. Yeah, last year, fucking lost track of all time. Um, but we, <laughs> but um, basically it, it was hilarious because he, Neil just turned to me at the end of one, and one session of training and was like, Emmett, do you know where you can get a pig? And my immediate reaction was just because I grew up in the countryside doesn't mean, yeah, fuck you, I know I get a pig. And because um, I'm the only country boy in the club, but um, we actually got a pig and we hung it up in Neil's back garden. And we, everybody brought, if you had a sharp, they brought it with them. Mm. And the first thing that we all learned was you do not have to swing hard at all. The no. only thing you have to do is get good edge alignment because dear god if you get good edge line there was one cut in particular that one of the guys did with a i think it was a kukri yeah and he just and quite literally he just did it like snap cut like that yeah. and it, it it cut through bone diagonally it just yeah. took off part of the leg and we all just went i've got one right here yeah um, oh, that is a nice such, one yeah it is it's lovely yeah. and it's such a meaty blade yeah oh like, those they're just terrifying they are yeah um like, 
but like even one of the other things that we found was um will did a zverka with the sharp longsword and mm. i'll send you the video because it's just like it's only about maybe it's like a 10 second video but he hits the pig just below the shoulder blade because we turned the pig around to get a few other cuts in yeah and he hit just below the shoulder blade and it buries into the spine and the whole bottom of the, like the top of the pig shoulders stayed completely still the bottom of the pig just swung like that yeah because he had nearly cut through the spine like he nearly cut the thing clean through and he said the only reason it didn't is because he stopped mm. he said if he had, he felt like he could have kept going but he just he was like oh shit because he felt <laughs> it hit the bone and he just just kept going because yeah. sort of, like you said it's the same with any tool like it's it's one of the things i've had to tell people when i've had them in my forge of let the hammer do the work yes yeah. what the tool is for well i imagine with with blacksmithing if you're not letting the hammer do the work then you're just going to knacker yourself out oh yeah completely completely um like one of the things so like my heaviest hammer that i've used is i have an eight kilo sledgehammer head on a short handle just so yeah. like if i'm if i'm like okay i need to get this done quick and that is literally i bring it up the, the, the hardest part of my day of with that is just bringing it up to here and then i'm just controlling the fall mm. that's it like realistically if you have to if you're swinging an eight pound sledgehammer head you're you're gonna be you are done for the day after like maybe five minutes yeah. because your whole arm shoulder and everything is just not meant to deal with that amount of weight on like a handle that's only like that long so it's just <laughs> i look like thor going around with this plate yeah i was gonna say like that, that that must be an amazing feeling though to sort of like oh. hammer something out like that oh it is especially because one of the things with blacksmithing die is one of the most satisfying things. And it's especially satisfying if you have somebody there watching that has never seen it been done is when you get a piece of really tough steel and you just heat it up and they're expecting it. It's like, Oh, this is going to take some serious hammering. It's, it's like clay once it's hot and it just, it just smushes and just spreads out. And you just see the person go, what the hell? Like yeah. they just, they're not expecting it to move like that. And it's just, it's so satisfying to take something and just change its shape completely because yeah. like I, this summer i took two i took a leaf spring and i turned it into a kitchen knife and a dagger i've seen your stuff man i i love the pictures you're putting up you don't put enough up i know <laughs> you know, I know. I, like that's that's your biggest crime and like for me there's two reasons i don't put things up on instagram mm. one is like i said because the only thing i can ever showcase is my fencing um mm. or and I always sort of kind of promised myself I'd never do this, but it, again, it's like, it's you're showcasing how much you train, right? Mm -hmm. So I now show videos of myself exercising, whether or not I'm doing a good job of that exercise. Um, Cause normally my form's okay, but I'm just kind of like, co like coated in sweat and out of breath and stuff like that. But I want to show people like, I'm not just, coming in, picking up the sword during training, and then yeah. going, okay, now I'm gonna teach you, but that, like, but I don't do any training in my own time. I want people yeah. to know how hard I train, so that mm. they, you know, so that if if somebody from the outside of the academy comes in, they'll trust that, oh, actually, yeah, yeah he, he's working really hard to- Oh, I know what you um, mean. Like, yeah. from, from watching your Instagram videos and everything, it kind of puts it into my head of, okay, I need to, if I want to really get from this level of HEMA to the next level, 
because I've got, and like anyone, anyone that has fought me will say is like, I have pretty solid fundamentals of you're not yeah. getting a clean hit on the center of me. You'll, you'll cut me on the arms and maybe the leg, but you ain't getting a stab in. Um, like it's just, that ain't happening. Oh yeah, um, we fought. And um, yeah. I remember a couple of times going, like going for it and I'm like, I have you now. And your defense was like, bam. And that's pro that's gotta be blacksmithing. Just that motion oh, of just doing that, snapping that came, the cross. That came from, there was a day during one of our training sessions where um, there, was some, there was just something up with my shoulder. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Because Will, we were using sword and buckler and he hit the arming sword and the thing just melted on me. Like it just, my whole defense just went to shit. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I kind of went, okay, how am I gripping the sword? And then I thought about it. And I went, I'm not gripping the same way I would grip a hammer. And I went, Do you know what? I'm a blacksmith. I'm going to grip it like a hammer. Next time he tried it, my sword just didn't move. He just hit it. Like it was like, it was hilarious. Cause he, I knew he expected it to just fall away. And I was able to, I blocked it. Now, then Will, it's Will, so he just went around and got me anyway. But it was <laughs> nice to stop the sword originally. Yeah. But like, knowing how to grip it also helps because you're not just, it's not just, um, as weird as it is, the hammer grip that people talk about. A lot of blacksmiths don't actually do that. That's it's actually a really bad idea because it's a good way to mess up your wrist. So you yeah. grip it, bottom two fingers, and you let it move in your hand. And I find if I grip the arming sword like that, and then just tense just at the last second, I'm able to stop somebody's blade and then come around them and get them in a different way. But, That's yeah. cool. That, mm. I love when you can apply things like that to, you know, like multiple things to mm. um, your training. Um, because one of the questions that I got asked during the Q&A that I did with um, the Academy of History, oh, yeah. Kraken Swords and Espada Negra was like, what can I do to train in my own time? Mm. And uh, you know, we were we were thinking about the different stuff that you can do. If you can do something that's like, oh, I enjoyed it. So Cobra Kai, I was, yeah. um, I was, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you watched Cobra oh, Kai? Oh yeah, I've watched it. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Thank God for that. Because um, I want to talk about it. I don't want to give people spoilers. Um, you know, anybody who's listening, spoilers, just go watch it. But um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, I was painting his wall. So I'm just rolling up and down, painting the wall. And then I text my mate while I'm there. I'm like, I'm painting the wall. I think I'm ready to, you know, <laughs> ready to sign up for a karate tournament and fuck up some high yeah. school seniors, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. like, I love the idea of like, oh, I'm going to paint this wall and now my yeah. defense is impeccable. Um, well, actually, it, it's funny you bring that up because there was a discussion on, I think it was the UK HEMA page where somebody posted up, it was like a warrior training thing of training using a sledgehammer. And like, literally just hitting hitting a tire with the sledgehammer, right? And just building up her body strength. And somebody's like, would this help or hamper HEMA? And there, there was some very different opinions. One person was saying, this is a terrible idea. You'll just learn to overswing and swing too hard and all this kind of stuff. And in my brain, because I read the responses on some of these and it was funny because they're all looking at it from a HEMA perspective. And my brain just was like, warning bells going off because they were comparing it as like oh it's like swinging an axe and like you're just gonna swing too hard and all this and in my head it's the same thing of let the tool do its job of my brain going if you're swinging a sledgehammer 
hard the fuck are you doing like it just because in my head i was like that's not how you swing a sledgehammer and then it's especially not how you swing an axe if you swing an axe hard the only thing you're going to accomplish is you're either going to damage the axe or you're going to cut through the wood and then cut into your own bloody shin yeah and i put a comment up of that i found my hema improves every or after um december every year like it just it improves specifically with the long sword because i have spent the entire day of the winter chopping sticks and my edge alignment goes through the roof because i will like one of the things that i'll do when i'm chopping like logs like is i will just get my finger i will draw a line in my head of i'm gonna hit it here and i will hit it exactly where i want to put it and then when i do hema i'm just looking at the person and i'm like i'm gonna put it right here and then just and i'm able to just picture it because i've been doing it all winter of is like i'm gonna get you yeah. <laughs> um but it was a funny thing of it also helps with overhouse and that kind of stuff of just letting it flow because again yeah. don't swing an axe hard yeah well yeah it's, it's a tool fun. yeah it's a tool like so, sledgehammer yeah you have to swing the thing hard because obviously you've got the sledgehammer out but like there's a way to do it without hurting yourself and also not like there's a certain point of because i don't know maybe it's just the way i was taught of at home on the farm yeah. of here's how you use these tools of you shouldn't be swinging a sledgehammer or an axe unless you can stop it <coughs> yeah i and suppose for these people, just um, stop. you know um they're they're not using it for to, you know they're not using it to accomplish a task other mm. than to make themselves fitter mm. so where we were talking about you know tiring yourself blacksmithing yeah. by muscling that strike mm. if the intention is not to shape the metal but to exercise that muscle yeah then you know putting effort in that way it's you know it's a different thing altogether because mm. i was talking to keith about um uh, this was after we'd spoken uh, for the podcast, mm. but I was talking to him about uh, kicking in karate because I sent him a link to um, Michael J. White's YouTube channel. Mm. And if you don't know who Michael J. White is, he's the oh, no, I do, yeah. sweet, awesome. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's this great martial artist. He's He's been in some really good films and he... Mm talks at length about the fundamentals of karate and you know he trains with mm. um these uh different mma fighters and stuff like that and i was talking about the the kicks that i was trained in krav maga and the mm. kicks that i trained are really low because i want them to be fast i don't want them to be seen and mm. i'm aiming for the knee and maybe the thigh um and i'll maybe do some push kicks towards the you know, th towards the crotch or the, you know, yeah. the stomach or whatever. I mean, yeah. like, you know, if you want to win okay. a fight, kick a guy yeah. in the dick, he's oh, going yeah. down. Um, so, yeah. um, so I was talking about that. And I'm like, you know, high kicks, I, I never really, you know, I, I don't like taking my foot that far off the ground. I feel a little bit exploited. Mm. And he was talking about how, don't think of it from a self-defense point of view. Think of it more about training the body to do a certain task. If you can put in a kick that's controlled and with force at the height of somebody's head, then that is really going to train your body. It's going to prepare you to make these mm. sort of like powerful kicks and it's going to help you to become more flexible and things like that. Yeah. So I think 
you know, uh, I'm not saying that I necessarily agree that um, slamming a sledgehammer is uh, against mm -hmm. the tire is a great idea uh, yeah. for Hema. I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea, but, yeah. you know, I think that you'll be training different muscles. I would say that maybe even a better idea would be to take a sledgehammer and just really slowly do cutting drills with it. And oh, like try okay. to control the weight the whole way around, mm. you know, and that would, I've done that. Um, and the grip on the hammer was rubber. Um, oh. Yeah. And I just nah, nah, nah. redded my hands. Like, like the nah, skin nah. just came right off and I'm like, mm, wear gloves next time. Yeah. So okay. yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> that just, was good. if there's one thing I hate in this world, it is synthetic handles. They are, <sighs> Like I, I bought a hammer once because I was like, oh, this is a really nice shape for this hammer. It's just a head. And um, it was, I was buying it at like a, it was like this fucking garage, garage sale type deal. And I um, was trying to negotiate a price with the guy. And I went, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have to replace the, replace the handle. And he just looked at me, it's a brand new hammer. And I looked at him and I went, yeah, and I'm actually going to use it. And he went, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's fair enough. Then I was funny because he was, because he asked me, "What are you going to use it for?" And I went, "Oh, blacksmithing." And I went, oh, "You should probably replace the handle then, because yeah. if and it, it's." I remember I complained at a hardware shop once because I bought a spare wooden handle, and he went, "Yeah, yeah first thing I'm going to do when I get home is put this into that." And he went, "You're not going to wait until it breaks." And I went, "No." I think he was like, "But it's a brand new synthetic handle," and he was like, <laughs> "I was like, I I was already going to buy it, but it felt like the dude was trying to make a sale." Yeah. And I said to him, I went, and anybody that doesn't use these hammers for DIY, somebody that actually is going to use it properly will tell you that a synthetic handle is just awful. It will rip your hands to pieces. Yeah. That just, they're just awful. Wood is infinitely better. Yeah. Just for everything. Well, that was the thing. Like I said, I, I, I put the, um, yeah. put the hammer down. I looked at my hands and I'm like, I swear my, you know, my palms weren't this glistening and painful before. And now yeah. pretty much the whole layer of skin is gone, you know? So, yeah. um, oh. but one of the things that I love about your, your stuff is that mm. you can see the hammer marks in it. Like, which is <laughs> for me, I love that look. And a lot of people yeah. do. And I know what you've said about the whole, well, there's less work in the, you know, yeah. For the cross guards when it's when it looks like that but yeah. it i think they're great um uh, i mean i used to be able to see see them in my buckler my buckler has taken a an absolute hammering the one that you i i need to figure out what the hell you've been doing to that thing because Dude, for yeah. you my bucklers have been hit with long swords from and like people that were not holding back in the slightest and it's like the slightest little dimple whereas the one i gave you looks like somebody i don't even know Looks like you oh, just yeah. gave it to a dragon to chew on for a bit. <laughs> like, but, um, a mate of mine with a Danax. Um, I was yeah, fighting the buckler, and uh, yeah, just kind of like I was like, yeah, let's you know, let's see how how crazy shit can get. So yeah. the fact that it didn't immediately crumple, I'm actually quite proud of. <laughs> no man, they're solid. They're really Which, solid. One of the things that I want to do, just to illustrate how um because i've talked a few times to my students about bucklers and i'm like mm. right, okay if you're going to do a buckler strike and you're in a competition 
you know, use the flat yeah. because you're representing the academy and I don't want you to bring shame mm. to the name. Right? Mm. If for whatever reason you end up in a fight for your life with a buckler, use the edge because okay. you're representing the academy and I don't want you to bring shame <laughs> to the name. But yeah. if you take the edge of one of those bucklers to somebody's face, they, if they eat a buckler, their teeth, even with the flat, I think, you know, if it's oh, yeah. straight to the face, um, it's that is going to fuck your day up good and proper. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's funny you bring up the hammer marks thing because I was actually, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about being on this and I was like, yeah, and Jordan really likes the hammer mark look, which, and my friend just started laughing because I've, I've talked about to him about this before of um, that people in HEMA seem to really like that hammer, you know, the, the forged look and the fact that you could see the hammer marks and this kind of stuff. Now, the Regenie, I was thinking about it a, a bit more of probably what he does. And it's, it's a simple process of you forge out everything, you clean it up, and then to put the forged look back on it, you just throw it in the forge, take it out, <laughs> let it cool off, put it back in the forge again, take it out, let it cool off, and then you're like, it's finished. <laughs> it's just, and it like puts a fake forged finish onto it, yeah. sort of. But like, it, it still looks great. And I, I've done it with a few of my booklers. But um, I brought up the fact that <laughs> that when I post something to a HEMA page of with a forged look on it, a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, that looks great or whatever. If I post it to a blacksmithing page, I have gotten <laughs> absolutely eaten alive. But there was one master blacksmith in particular who just, he was like, dude, what are you doing with the hammer? You are missing so much. And he, he actually, he didn't just like give out. He took, took the picture and then circled the parts on the picture of like, what were you doing here? Like, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't have missed. Because there's a lot of the missed blows that like some of the marks that are on the bucklers where I just missed. Yeah. Because my hammer control, I, I just, I wasn't focusing and it just shifted like an inch and I'm just like, ah, crap. Ah, and there's no way to take it out. Like it makes no difference to the functionality of the thing. Like it just, it's just a bit of character to it now. Yeah. But for blacksmiths, it's the fewer hammer blows that you can see when you're finished is like the sign of a master of it looks <laughs> machined. Like there's a guy on Facebook who I would highly recommend everyone to follow. He's a Thor's forge. Um, Cause he actually forges out proper recreations of axes, Viking axes in particular that are that were found literally like I think one of the closest one was like 10 miles down the road from and he was invited when they found it they invited him out to look at us I go can you make this and he was like yeah maybe and he, he went home that day and made the damn thing and then went to them the next day I was like is this what you're looking for and they were like you just looked at him yeah and <laughs> his stuff is perfect yeah. And I and I mean that in every sense of the word. Like his even when he's forging stuff out, it looks like it's been machined. But he does he like he uses a power hammer because he's not an idiot, you know, like me. <laughs> um, he, you know, he has he has the money to afford it. But it's like I I still have um it's it's kind of funny because there's a few marks on the bucklers that I just there's no way I can deal with them. So you know um I actually have finally made one for myself. So even have the Ravenheart Forge logo etched in. Oh, that looks sweet. Yeah. But gonna, hold on, hold it up to the screen. I'm going to put a print screen. I'll, I'll uh, post <laughs> that somewhere. There we go. Sweet. <laughs> um, but there's marks. I'm not sure if you can really see them. Um, yeah, so you see these like little sideways marks here. 
Yeah. And they're, they're on every one of my bucklers. That is from when I'm doing the dishing. Right. And it's sitting into the form and I'm hitting in here and it's hitting the edge of the form of the yeah. like dishing thing that I'm using. So there's just some of the marks that gives them character. And I, and everybody's like, Oh, that looks great. And I'm looking at it like, Fuck. yeah, but yeah. I mean, in no other context, like if I drew something and I slapped it up on some forum somewhere, mm. you know, if I like, cause I like to draw now and again, I don't, I don't yeah. do it as much as I used to, but I'll sketch something out or I'll, mm. you know, or I'll do something. If, you know, if I had some master artist come back and go, uh, well, you know, this, that, and the other, and start circling all that, I don't know how <laughs> I feel about that. I'm like, how do you have the time to do this? Like to, you know what well, I mean? Well, to be honest, it's kind of weird because with blacksmithing stuff now, I, sh I should say, like, he wasn't just purely negative because um, okay. he pointed out, because I, I basically, I posted up a buckler and I said, this is what I did. This is why I did it. And I, like, this is why the rolled edge is the way it is and whatever else. And he was like, you know, the rolled edge looks great. And he just went, have you tried doing this? And he was, you know, they're really positive, but the blacksmithing community is very much in a way of it's a compliment sandwich. Yeah, and it's just like good thing, and then like a very meaty lump of criticism, but it's always constructive, and then just it's like ah, that last thing's nice, um, <laughs> but I, it's it's just it's um there's a lot of the smiths, a lot of master blacksmiths have started like taking the time to respond to people and just let them know because unfortunately, outside of like the UK, America, and a few other places you can't really get blacksmithing training anymore. Mm. And like proper blacksmithing training, unless you find a master smith who's willing to like take the time to actually train you. Um, so there's a few guys in particular. Um, just there's one guy whose name I absolutely love. He's a master smith called Arthur Slaughter. What? And, Arthur Slaughter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love him. He's, he's the best. He's an admin on the page and he's just his stuff it looks like witchcraft to me because it's just yeah, with a name like arthur slaughter yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah how do you become a master blacksmith i know you've told me this before um, i've forgotten I've so played. it depends on what kind of smithing you're doing because like for example so when i'm making a buckler that's technically armoring um and each kind of like there's it kind of blacksmithing breaks down into several schools so you kind of you can get certified from different places now unfortunately ireland no longer has a master's in blacksmithing um because it's just it just kind of fell out of practice unfortunately um i know one or two of the blacksmiths here in ireland who are like the last people that actually have like they can put down a resume say, i have a master's in blacksmithing and they just they're on a whole nother level um but it depends on the country you're in. Like in America, they actually have for bladesmithing and for regular blacksmithing. And um, they have a national organization that you actually have to create certain things to certain criteria. Um, and actually anybody that likes blades or, you know, they just anybody that's very caring about blades or like, oh, I don't know how much of a pun how much punishment this could actually take. A lot of people look at Forged and Fire and say, oh, you know, blades, they can only take so much punishment. <laughs> The thing yeah. that you really need to recognize with that is those guys forged out in three hours and then they had to quench when they weren't over, like nobody on Black Forge of Fire is ever happy with their quench. Yeah. Nobody. Because ideally, 
you're heating, you have everything in perfect conditions. <coughs> like when I, when I go to quench a blade, I, I go around to everybody that's on the farm and I'm like, you leave me alone for the next three hours. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't care what's going on. You leave, and I'm like, dog just imagine being you going inside. around with this like lump of iron that's about to become a knife or something going, leave me alone for three hours. <laughs> no, because I've actually done that. I've gone up to like my dad because um, he was doing some farm work and I went, do you need help for the next three hours? He was like, I don't think so. Because you see this, this is about to become something like useful or it's going to become scrap metal. So just, just leave me be. <laughs> He's just like, fair enough. Um, but anybody that's interested in blades, just look up um, Journeyman Bladesmith um, certification on YouTube and just watch what they put, watch what they do to those blades because they put them through punishment you would not even believe. Like um, the Damascus Gladius that I got from Old Hickory Forge, um, it's, it, it, it's like a piece of artwork to hold it, but in the videos he actually has on his channel of him forging it, there's one clip in the second video of him doing the forging where he puts it into a vice and then he just bends it to 25 degrees in either direction. And he just takes it and he's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and it's, and I, anybody I've showed it to has just been like, oh no, and like cringing at the look of it. I'm like, this is standard. And when proper bladesmiths make blades, they will like, especially with like, um, oh, there's a bladesmith over in America, um, in America, he posts up every so often, and he just posts up rapiers. And there are these absolutely beautiful pieces of artwork. And he posts up a video of what he does to every single one of them, where he bends them to 45 degrees in either direction. And if there is even the slightest twitch of a bend in it, scrapped, and he starts again. He's like, no. Because um, it really makes me laugh in Forged in Fire um, when there are... They finish their blade and they're like okay time to see if it can stand the test and then when they're at home they'll cut like a bamboo shoot and go that'll do yeah. and it's like maybe test it a bit more <laughs> see, the problem is they've all there's one or two smiths that tried it on something tougher and they've broken their blades yeah and there was one guy who did it and he broke his blade on because they'd fight he'd five days and he broke his blade on day four Oh, yeah, that's rough. And what's amazing is he forged out a new blade and he won anyway. Nice. Yeah, but because he went, oh, just, but he was, he, that dude is insane. Like, yeah, but I've that guy, see, that's that what time. I mean. That guy wouldn't have won if he yeah. just cut a bamboo shoot or like yeah. gone up to a milk carton and just cut halfway into that and then, yeah. you know. Like, and that's, that's the other thing that there's a lot of the smiths that go on Forge and Fire, they've never actually made swords. Yeah. So they don't know what kind of punishment they take because with a knife, it's so short and it's got a pretty thick spine on it. So like, it's going to take some punishment. Even guys, a lot of them make uh, what's called a competition chopper. And again, if you want to see what kind of punishment a knife can actually take when it's made by somebody that knows what they're doing, just yeah. look up competition choppers in America because those guys are insane. Like they just like the one of the one of the tests that they do that they have to do for a journeyman uh, certification is. You get a nine-inch nail, you put the blade on it, and then you get a rubber mallet, and you hammer your blade through the nail. I think you posted something on Facebook that I watched, and it was like yeah. almost like an assault course, but with knives. Yeah. Um, have you seen the – because I was talking to Alex about this. Have you seen Knife or Death? I've, I think I've seen maybe one or two episodes of it. Um, 
I, the, co the competition itself is quite interesting, but it's incredibly cringy because you, oh, yeah. you get these guys coming out and, you know, and they're kicking open this, this wire fence gate I, thing. I just, that's and why then, I can't watch it. Yeah, no, that's yeah, the thing. No. It's like, you know, um, they, they were, they did one year in the Coast Guard and they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm one of the Marines and they come out with these knives. Uh -huh. um, I wanted to show you this. Um, my grandfather made this and it's ground from something. I don't actually know the, uh, the history of it, but he, he made this and I didn't know and until Fuck. recently, I know, right? I didn't know until recently, this guy can't even work a DVD player, but he's like, yeah, check this out. I made this knife. And I'm like, oh, that's fucking amazing. That's fucking. I know, right? I need to clean it oh. because it's gotten quite pitted. It was at my yeah. place. Um, so I've got to give it a clean and I'm going to need to look up like the best way to clean pitted yeah. blades because my blades never get that bad. Yeah. You know? so, <laughs> um. But yeah, I was looking at your Facebook page and I, I, I had to laugh oh, because one of the things that you've got is like I make knives and I make this and that. And then one of them is, and I make crowns. And I'm like, is that in high demand? Is Neil like, <laughs> make me a crown. No, I, I, of Ireland. I made one because <laughs> a friend of mine, a friend of mine, um, he wanted something. He, in his own words, he wanted to win Chris Kindle. <laughs> and he was like, would you be able to make this? And I just kind of went, could I? And I went, I went home and it's hilarious because it's made out of the same steel that I make bucklers out of. Yeah. And because I remember he was saying, oh, you know, like, what was it? I made the thing and I did a whole etching and everything on it. And it looks great. Um, but <laughs> it wasn't the right shape. It was like this little kink in it. And I just went, oh, crap. And I just bent it over my knee. And I was like, yeah, perfect. And then because we were at Hema when I gave it to him and I can't remember who said it. And he went, didn't you say that was made out of the same thing the bucklers are made out of? And I had just bent this thing over my knee, like, or like quite literally you could bend it in your hand and just go, oh, it's fine. And he just went, isn't that made out of the same thing the bucklers are? Yeah. But the, and he held up one of the bucklers that I had made for the club and he went, but this stops swords. And I went, yeah. And that's what the rolled edge does. That rolled edge wasn't on it. That's just going to bend right over and do nothing it's just yeah. like it just i it's one of my favorite things about blacksmithing is i'm able to hand somebody a piece of metal and then like if somebody gives me a piece of metal i'm able to change it into whatever the hell i can i damn well please and it's super satisfying to take one piece of steel and see how many different things you can make out of it yeah and <laughs> being able to make crowns out of the same thing i make bucklers out of is just so satisfying. <laughs> How did you get into it? Because you said it was a, like a funny story. Um, so basically what happened was, like I'd, I've, I, history is a really big thing in my family. Um, and like I just absolutely love it. And I always love trying things out from history. And I was in the car with my dad and we were driving home and I don't know how it even came up in the conversation, but I said, I was like, oh, you know, I would love to try out blacksmithing someday. Right, like that is, you know, I would love to try it someday, and um, but I said, you know, like where the hell am I ever going to try blacksmithing? And um, Dad went, oh, one second, and he just called somebody on his phone, and he was like, hey, Finn, do you, you know, do you mind if I drop over with my son? We just wants to 
just you know want to come over and see you and Finn was like, oh yeah sure come on over over it turns out my dad knows a master blacksmith that's ace and he fucking i went over and finn was like yeah do you want to just come here this weekend and just you know we'll make some stuff and i was like yes what the fuck I to, <laughs> the drive home and i was like how have you never mentioned this man before because he lives like 20 minutes away from my house i was like how has this never come up and he went you never asked yeah yeah again my grandfather the guy who made the knife yeah. same thing okay it took <laughs> so i knew he was in the army when yeah. i was a kid but like he didn't talk about it he didn't talk about you know any of that stuff and then when i was 25 and i was dating melissa my wife mm. I was I was going to go out to Israel because she was working there at the time. Yeah. So I, I mentioned it to him in passing. Right. Mm. Up until I was twenty five, all I ever heard about was him complaining about the fact that he used to work for W H Smith and he had to walk a long way to get there and to get back again. Yeah. That's all he ever talked about. Oh, and the paperwork. Oh, and you know whatever other problems. Yeah. The manager was a prick. Right. Not in those words, because you yeah. know, he's, um, he's a gentleman. But yeah. for 25 years, I had to listen to these fucking boring stories, right? <laughs> and then at 25, I tell him, oh, yeah, I'm going out to Israel. And he went, oh, I've seen Israel. And he went, well, he said, I saw it from afar. I was in Palestine at the time. I was on top of a tank, and we were trying to put down these insurgents, and I was on the 50 cal. And I was like, what? I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, he was like... I said, what, what happened? And he said, oh, yeah, I wasn't supposed to be there. But the guy, the guy who was, was AWOL. So, like, my, like my commanding officer, I can't remember what rank he was, uh, yeah. just said, hey, get on that machine gun. We have to put some people down, right? And they just drove out and were ducking bullets and shooting. And I'm like, so, you know, and I'm thinking, like, you know, Fury? You know the film yeah. Fury? Yeah, like, how are you? I'm like... Where the fuck was that story? 25 <laughs> years you've been boring me with these shit stories about W.H. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Jeez. it was the same sort of thing. He's like, yeah. hey, you're asked. Yeah. Oh, it's just <laughs> fucking... But you... <laughs> Jesus. That's a little bit more extreme now, to be honest. I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of surprised he never brought that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never came up. Never came up in conversation. He's just like, oh well, you know, I forgot until now or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like the smallest thing happens to me. I'll brag about it for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. oh God. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's good. So, what's the weirdest? Is is the crown the weirdest thing you've made? What's the strangest thing you've um, made? Um, actually, it's. Yeah, so the crown and another commission that I got at the exact same time, because it was another Christmas present commission that I actually got from Neil, uh, was to make a branding iron. Oh, cool. but, okay. Yeah, but it was specifically to make a branding iron for branding steaks. So it had to be like small enough. I was just like, for branding steaks? What? And because um, I, like, I, I don't have a welder, I, like I can't weld yet because I just haven't had time to go and pick up the skill. But uh, my friend Joe is has a welder and i just said to him i was like well okay um are you up for helping me with making this and he went what is it again and i was like it's a branding iron for making steaks and joe was like fuck yeah why not and so i forged out everything and then went down made that and unfortunately i didn't have the time to test it <laughs> before i had to give it to neil the next day and i was like ah shit 
but uh, apparently it works. Okay, so <laughs> like, it didn't I've, just, like, melt the first time. No, no. <laughs> but like, I, I have gotten some weird commissions since I started, and it, it's, it's funny, because they're almost always from HEMA people. Yeah. Because um, they've asked me for the weirdest stuff, whereas everybody else is like, oh, can you make me a steel lily or, you know, like a kitchen knife or, you know, something simple. Um, I say simple, kitchen knife ain't simple, but, um, but like another, another great commission. And I've, and this whole pandemic has kind of put the kibosh on me actually sending it to the person because the UK, it's hard to send blades over. Mm. And I've just been told unilaterally don't try to send this, uh, which is the cheese axe. Oh yeah. 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 That's yeah, for, Fran, right? yeah right? for Fran. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I was making the tomahawks for Phil Nagashki for Amelia's thing. And Fran tagged me on a post on Facebook of because it was somebody had made a kitchen axe and I know the Smith from the other page that she had shared the video. And I was like, oh yeah, I know this guy. Because uh, he just made a, it's an actual Viking style of axe where it's um, a very long, thin blade and it just oh, right. comes back in. Is it kind of sort of like this? No, so it's, how to put, um, here, one second. I'm, uh, I'm showing He's, Emmett an axe. For the people who are listening, it's a very narrow <laughs> um, bladed axe. So essentially, it looks like I'm just re doing a really, really crude drawing of what this thing looks like because it is easily one of the weirdest looking axes and it caused absolute uproar both on, there's two pages I'm on on Facebook, the Blacksmithy for Beginners page and Axe Junkies and both of them got unindated with this fucking thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it essentially looks like this. Oh, which okay. somebody took a Viking design of a Viking slash Germanic axe style where it's almost like a rectangular blade just that's come out. Um, and you know, that, that type of blade will just destroy people because now, it's I, just the way I, it's made. I have like a, looks like a sort of modern iteration of that. I'll send mm. you a picture of it later. Mm. Um, but I'm looking at it and just look, it's so sharp. And I'm just looking at it. I'm like, this is so fucking dangerous. I can't, like, I need to hide this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the guy made that and it's just super cheap, super thin mm. blade. And he just has a video of him doing all, like making dinner and just slicing stuff That's like cool. this with the axe. And Fran asked, would I be able to make a cheese axe? And I was like, yeah, sure. If I've, if I've time. And unfortunately I didn't get to make it before Fela, but, had plenty of time after filming Gashi, funny yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I've seen pictures of it again yeah. on Facebook. It's yeah. it's the one with the two prongs on yeah, the back. It has, and that, that is because of my dear friend Adam, who I will never forgive for suggesting putting a fork on the back of it. <laughs> because I hate forging forks. Mm. Because they are the worst thing in the world. Because you can never get the two tines to match. There's always one that's like a tiny bit longer, a tiny bit thicker. And it's just, nobody else will care, but I care. And it's just, yeah. it's, yeah. Um, but I managed to get it exactly right on her cheese axe. So awesome. Looking happy with that. Yeah. yeah. No, it looks good, man. It looks really good. I, uh, I mean, I was talking to at Failure about um, making, making some rings. Uh, oh yeah. Cause what I want is uh, like, I want um, a ring with, the Academy Wolf on it, but then mm. I want like some other people, like you could have one with the Raven on it. And then, mm. you know, uh, my mate Alex could have one on the Kraken with the Kraken on it. Yeah. We put them all together and we put it <laughs> into a giant HEMA mech. 
Um, <laughs> you said you haven't you haven't yeah. uh, tried uh, making rings yet. I I haven't tried making rings yet. Um, one of the things that I've kind of I've put I've put it on the back burner is because I need to get the right kind of steel because if you use like regular mild steel, it's mm. just gonna rust. People people sweat in that salt water. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so but I've been watching videos on how people go about making rings and I have to make something like I think it's five or six separate tools before I can graduate to making rings, which is this like really fun thing in blacksmithing where it's just like, oh crap, I need I need these six tools to make that tool to do this one thing. So you just you like building up almost like a shopping list and you're just looking at the scrap metal pile and like, okay, so that's going to be this and this is going to be that. And then eventually you get there, um, which, yeah, it's kind of this, it's a motto in black, in a lot of blacksmith community, need a tool, make a tool. Don't, yeah. don't be lazy and go out and buy one. Um, yeah. so, like, sometimes he's just like, ah, screw this. I'm going to buy one. <laughs> just, he's like, I, I don't have time for this nonsense. Uh, <laughs> But yeah. um, I need a tool right now. <laughs> yeah, like I've I've had a few a few um, commissions and projects where it just if I had had the right tool, I would have been done so much quicker. And yeah. just you're not having to improvise and fight the material, which is just the worst thing in the world when you are trying to get something done. Um, because even even the very first buckler I made, the one that was that you used to fail the first time. Um, the form that I used for making that was I got an angle grinder with a sandpaper disc on it and I just carved I just dished a bowl into this like block of wood that we have about the place and I got yeah. a steel bowl filled it with sand, flipped it over and basically drilled it onto another side of this like wooden cube so I was using that for like the raising part of it and just it was the jankiest setup <laughs> But I managed to get it to work. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool, though, that you, because there's, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, and when you can think like that, you know, hmm. oh well, I I need to do this thing. Um, what have I got? You know, yeah. you MacGyver yourself a tool, uh, or you know, yeah. um, like I've I have changed around so many tools. Like the, there's stuff that used to be really useful for other for the intended purpose and it's now sitting in my forge and it is meant for one thing in particular like um i have a set of pliers that i ground all the teeth off of yeah and the reason for it is because it can hold the edge of the buckler without marring the edge at all because it has no teeth so it's able to just snap onto it and i can just hold this without scratching up the edge which like nobody else would care about but it would bother, it just annoyed me to the point where I just ruined a set of pliers. So for you, you know, you're obviously setting up now. And I mean, that's that's one of the exciting things for me because yeah, I used your buckler in Fela the first time, um, you know, and I remember I absolutely loved it because um, it sounded like a church bell. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it was big and it was meaty and it was all steel, but it wasn't heavy. Um, yeah. 
you know, and, and I thought it was great. And obviously you've sort of improved since then. Oh, yeah. The ones that you've made um, recently with the Academy logo on it that you mm -hmm. made for Melissa and I. One thing, like one of the things that I like to do, first of all, not that I'm encouraging this at all, but Buckler's <laughs> Art Street legal. So, you know, um, <laughs> like I've gone, I, I've done this uh, a couple of times uh, where I've, I've worn my buckler on my belt when I'm in class. Mm -hmm. Because it's got the Academy yeah. logo, and I'm like, yeah, that's badass. Yeah. But then I've completely forgotten wearing it. And I'll just go down like down to the shops, whatever, I'm wearing that. Um, and, the, you know, it looks great. I just, yeah. you know, nobody's nobody's ever commented on it or anything yeah. like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that stuff's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to seeing, because now that you're doing daggers and the kitchen mm -hmm. knives that you're doing look great. I'm really looking to see. I guess the progress is going to be almost like with swords, where you know you get the gladius, and then you get something that's slightly longer. Yeah, pretty much. Sword and the long sword. Um, like I'm going to be slowly just working my way up. Um, actually, I have a commission from Fran, and she said there was no time limit on this. Just whenever I get around to it, uh, but she wants a cinque dea. Oh, yes. Which, which it's. <laughs> It's really funny because she like a lot of people that like swords really like the Cinque Dea because it's got you know it's a really interesting design, but it's mm -hmm. a it's almost a joke in the blacksmithing and bladesmithing community with the people that kind of know the history of it because essentially what the Cinque Dea was like it's it's not a super like it's not how to put it like for the intended purpose of this is a street fighting dagger, right? You start looking at the historical examples, and you're like, that does not look like a street. This is not the kind of thing that your regular pad foot is going to have in his, his back pocket to like fight somebody. Um, but essentially what happened was in Venice and Florence, the bladesmiths got into like, this competition with each other. of Because um, the early ones, they have, like, it's just, there is no fuller in it. Like it's just it's almost like the gladius where it just has the medial ridge going down the middle because it's basically it's, just a triangular blade. Yeah, yeah, it's got um like a diamond cross section. Mm. And what's great about that is because it has that ridge going up the middle, it's stiff like it's got one hell of a stiff spine to it, so it's just gonna punch through whatever somebody's going through it. But essentially somebody went, Okay, well I'll put a fuller in it. And then some other bladesmith went, Yeah, well I'll put two fullers in. And this just kept going. And at the end of like a 35 year period, there's one blade and I laugh every time I see it because there's 15 fullers on either side of this thing. Cause it's like a little fuller and then little line yeah, of fullers and then another line of fullers and it just keeps going up. <coughs> yeah, no, they're ridiculous. I've seen yeah. um, examples of them in the, I was in the uh, Stibbet Museum in Florence. Oh, very and... cool. Oh yeah, it's like the largest collection of weapons in Europe, pretty much. Yeah, um, oh. and there are just uh, these amazing examples, mm. and you know, ivory handles, and they're they're really yeah. on me. And I'm like, I wouldn't like, I would rather put my arm in the way and take, yeah. you know, than, than risk any harm coming to that yeah. blade. It would be like a one ring. I would just, you know, yeah. I'd just be there caressing <laughs> well, it. Like that was that was the thing that ended up happening where people were buying these things not for actual use for what they were supposed to be what they ended up doing because there was one bladesmith like one example of one that he'd done where he couldn't fit any more fullers on so <laughs> yeah so instead 
he inlaid a painting into the yeah. blade with all the fullers. And I remember looking at it and going, the sheer level of work for that, whoever bought it was buying it to wear on their hip and have people look at them and go, holy crap, he's rich. Because like the level of detail, because sword, sword smithing has never been cheap. Like it, it, it's, except for like industrialized for military use. Yeah. For someone private commissioning a blade, it's never cheap because it always has to be actually good material. Yeah. Which blades, bladesmiths would hoard, and they just do this. Like, I know, I have my like good little stash of good steel, and it's like, oh, well, you look like an idiot. I'll make you a sword out of mild steel, and well, you'd be dead, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like seeing the seeing some of the really ornate blades, and I hear people like I've I've heard people go, oh, can you imagine swinging that thing in a fight? Like that would never be used in a fight. The guy yeah. would have that on his belt and he'd have an actual sword. Like I was going to say, the use. irony of that is <laughs> yeah. that you're going to get robbed for <laughs> the two things. It's like, hand it over. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I've got, like, I don't yeah. want to fight with this thing. So. Exactly. Oh, it's, but it's, I've, I've been looking at it and I, when I got the commission, I was kind of going, there's no way that I'm going to be able to do this anytime soon. But um, I made the antenna dagger there just over a month ago mm. and when i had that finished i kind of had this moment of because i looked at it i looked at the kitchen knife i had made and i looked at the baby sword that i had made for neil <laughs> and um <laughs> ridiculous but um i looked at the three of them and i kind of had this moment of no i can do this i like i've kind of i've kind of graduated past that point of just making like really small like little small blades and i'm like no no i can i can start working my way up yeah. and Cinque Day is now on the list. Like the next time I get some decent time at home, I'm taking a crack at it. That's sweet. I have That's some really decent steel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was obviously, if you've got like a backlog, I completely understand. But a friend of mine, I found out literally before we came on mm. uh, to talk. Um, Lloyd, who I mentioned earlier, the stunt, yeah. the stunt man, right? He's uh, just proposed to his uh his well girlfriend now fiance yeah um, and she's lovely and they're lovely together mm. so obviously if he's listening to this lloyd if you're listening to this switch this off okay um he won't be listening <laughs> he might i don't know um <laughs> but i'd love to commission you to make like a knife as kind of a mm. wedding present for him okay. uh, but what I, kind I, is any, anything, anything, oh, like because it doesn't have to be like. I mean, I, I don't know what he'd like because we use, you know, we do fury. Mm. Um, so rondels are something that we do yeah. like, work with. Um, you know me, I love a bloody rondel. Can't yeah. get me away from a rondel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I love the rondel dagger because one of the just from a blacksmithing side of things it's not the most complicated blade shape in the world because it's a spike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I adore the rondel. Like I, I used to find it really awkward to fight with because like I said, I, I came from a, um, a reenactment background mm. and for anybody who doesn't, you know, if, if anybody who's listening to this does HEMA, but not reenactment and they think that it's all choreographed and stuff like that, there is a competitive element to it. Mm. Um, there's definitely a competitive element to it. It's just that you have off targets. So, we're using steel blades, but we don't have any padded protection. So I'm obviously not going to smash somebody in the face 
on purpose yeah. when it happens. I've been I, like I've eaten a couple of a couple of blades. I say a couple. Mm. I've eaten a lot of blades because I'm quite enthusiastic, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm just like, ah, shield roll. I don't care. I'm charging in. You know? <laughs> um, but I used to really like the Sayax. Mm. It was a slashing weapon and, and, yeah. and things like that. Um, but you can use it for stabbing, but because it's very, it tapers um, to. You know, oh yeah, I know. It, it's a very yeah. triangular blade, so for stabbing, yeah. it's not as good as it is for slashing. Mm. And um, the the thing about the rondel is that that was a really that was a learning curve for me. Um, mm. Is just going in with the point and just doing like just coming in and again stab, stab, yeah. you know. Um, because I was used to just doing these cutting motions. Mm. Um, so, but I I love the the brutality of the rondel because it's like, yeah, it's an, it's a rigid iron spike. And mm. if I'm not going to use it to stick it in your body, then I'm going to use it to, uh, to basically put it across your forearm and break it, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to try and get your forearm trapped between my hands and break your forearm with it. If you try yeah. to touch me now, how you know how um realistic that is because i've seen um knife fights and a lot of the time people are just using these like sewing machine attacks but if you're yeah. wearing a gambeson and that's pretty much mm. one of the reasons why you've got the the rondel is because people yeah. are wearing stiffer material mm-hmm. um so you need something that's going to punch through armor yeah. or you know punch through um you know that that kind of thing it's um yeah it's i just i like the rondel i like it it's it's yeah. little, it's mean it's not pretty i mean you can yeah. get some pretty ones but yeah yeah like one of the um just thinking of the barbecue thing that we did with the, the pig one of the most dangerous weapons we actually found the thing that was that by the end we were all terrified of this thing of <laughs> if i had to pick any weapon to not deal with it was the small sword Oh yeah, yeah. Because there was just one moment where one of the guys he had put the tip of the of the small sword to the sternum of the pig, right? And he had his arm slightly bent, and he turned around to ask somebody a question, right? Because he was like, "Oh, you know, should I thrust or should I like try and, you know, cut it, like do a little zorro cut?" Because we were just messing around at that point. Yeah, sure, yeah. And and we hadn't used the small sword yet. And um, we were like, oh, you know, and the moment he turned, he just kind of like instinctively stretched his arm. Yeah. It just went straight through. Oh, man, yeah. And it, it like, he said there was no resistance. Like, it just, it went, oh, okay, that's a bone. I'll just move around that. And it just went straight through the pig. And we were kind of like, oh, what the hell? And then we started just like poking it. And it was like, it was like just sticking a needle into a pincushion. That was the level yeah. of resistance. Like, that, that was it. And by the end of the day, we just went, let's try thrusts with the other swords. And then we kind of, because the long sword just passed straight through. Yeah. Like there's, there's a picture we have of, and there is, there was no force really applied to this. This was just literally pushed in of the sword going in under the shoulder blade or going in under the shoulder and just passing out through the back of the neck. And we were just like, this thing is terrifying. I was going to oh, talk to you actually about... Yeah. Um, you were talking earlier about Will 
doing the yeah to the ping mm. there's a guy that i um when i was in rome i was doing a workshop with mike edelson uh, and if you don't know who he is he wrote uh, a book called cutting with a medieval longsword mm. and yeah he was talking about this guy who did a zverkow and mm. for anybody who doesn't know what a zverkow is it's basically a uh, horizontal cut essentially like kind of mm. like a, think think like a helicopter blade yeah. kind of motion so quite literally with just to go like that yeah. and just that's yeah. it yeah you're basically just kind of whipping yeah. it around using the hands as an axis but he'd struck the target and he was doing this with a sharp sword. He was doing it slowly, mm. which is fucking lucky for him because then he started doing the zvert, but he caught the back of his head Ooh. and it just took the top of the back of his head up. It didn't like it again, very, very fortunately for this guy because he was just going slow, but it just took the back of his head that the, the scalp essentially lifted it up a little bit and to, the other thing is he's bald, this guy. So he's got like a, a like a smile, you know, like a like a smile scar yeah. on the back of his head. Uh, yeah, and I was like hearing this story, and I'm like, shit, because I've started playing around recently with uh, a poleaxe, and it's not yeah. it's not a reenactment poleaxe. It's not you know, if, yeah. um, a uh, uh, Battle of the Nations poleaxe. It's a, it's a sharp poleaxe, like yeah. it's got an edge to it, and it's just spikes on top of spikes, and I I can only move slowly with it because I'm like, holy shit, yeah. this is so dangerous. If I, like if I, yeah. you know, um, there are spikes on the side, you know, oh, yes. like the spikes on the back, the spikes on the side. There's no need for edge alignment, you know. Yeah. It's either going to cause blunt force trauma, but there are spikes, that, you know, that something's going in you, you know. Yeah. Like that should be Polax, uh, the tagline of poleaxes. Like, Polax, something's going in you. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're just terrifying. Like, po pole arms in general, just, I remember one of your videos, you were like, they were just, you said, I think you were talking about the spear of how pole arms just get no love. And yeah. Because in movies and even in games, they're given absolutely no love, like, at all. They're just treated so badly, even though realistically, Every battlefield in history, pole arms are what everybody's using. Oh yeah. Because you want to keep the enemy the hell away from you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, for God's sake, like Alexander the Great didn't conquer Persia with swords. He had fucking Sarissa pikes that are all eighteen <laughs> feet long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you gonna do? Run at the guy? Like, it's like him and his six friends. Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Alex about this as well, um, and it was to do with like the idea that, well, you just cut through a spear, right? You just, no. you just cut through, a, you know, they're, what are they no. made of? Wood? <laughs> oh, wood. How quaint. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. I know you've got to go. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate oh, crap, you yeah. uh, coming to talk. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm terrible for that normally. If it's me and I've got an appointment, I'll just keep, I'll just keep gabbing away. But yeah. you know, usually I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep an eye for other people. Yeah. Um, so where can people find Ravenheart Forge? Um, so you can find it both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, more recently, I've just been posting to Instagram just because I've been finding it a lot easier, just the format of it. 
Um, so I'm probably going to be keeping going with that. I'm going to start posting more stuff to Facebook. Um, but if you're looking for a commission or anything like that, message me through Facebook just so I keep a better log of whatever. Um, and if you have something that you're just curious, it's like, is this a thing you can do? Ask, because I didn't know I could make bucklers until I tried one. Same goes for baby swords and <laughs> daggers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely talk to you mm. about um, my mate's dagger, because, mm. yeah, that would be swell. Like, yeah. I think that would be a, a pretty good, you know, Because we could do some etching and all sorts of stuff to it. Oh, exciting, exciting stuff. <laughs> All right, buddy, this has been absolutely yeah. awesome. Um, thanks very much. And um, great. we'll do it again in a few months. Yeah, yeah. sounds what good. It's not a thing anymore, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. If you want to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or look for us on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or you can shoot us over a question at info at academyofsteel.com.